Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and this is another episode of the servingrealestateinvestors.com podcast, webinar series, Substack. And this one's kind of a, uh, uh, it, it had the potential to be over the top. It is, uh, it is one of the deeper wells of content that I could choose to go over with you all, but I, I'm going to save you. <laughs> I'm going to save you some of the, the frustration and uh, overwhelm and just like, oh my gosh, what is James talking about? By only doing uh, a very brief sampling of what's, what I'm about to share with you. So uh, I, I think I've told you guys this before. I operated nuclear reactors in the United States Navy uh, for a very, very, very small amount of time. Um, and so that's where I met my wife. Both of us actually did that. We had slightly different jobs, but um, same kind of similar jobs. Uh, so anyway, in the Navy, when you do stuff, if you uh, you don't operate a nuclear reactor without a checklist. So there's standard operating procedures that you have to follow uh, before you touch anything on that. And for good reason. So after I did that and I came into the real estate world, I was like, okay, so we're helping people buy houses. It's probably the biggest purchase of their lives. It's a really important thing. We don't want to screw anything up. So where's the checklist? And there were crickets. It was like, what do you mean? Where's the checklist? Oh, you want the checklist for how to get paid at closing? Oh, I have that checklist. Here you go. These are the things you need to have into the office in order to get your, to collect your commission at the closing table. I'm like, no, no, I'm not talking about that checklist. I got that one down. That's, that's easy, right? Uh, what I want is the checklist for like writing an offer or the checklist for what we do while we're under contract or, you know, what we do when we're scheduling showings or what we do when we're preparing to write an offer. What do we need? Like what, what's, where's all these detailed checklists? And they didn't exist. Um, I'm sure in some markets, in some brokerages, with some people, they've got their own version of this. And good for you guys if you do that. But uh, if you don't have that, this is sort of my my gentle, come with me. <laughs> Join me on this journey. Create a checklist. Come on, let's do it together. So um, I have a very thorough checklist. Um, I'm not sure I will show you how thorough they are, but they are pretty thorough. Um, and and they are they're both at the same time thorough and incomplete, um, which I'll share with you in a second. But basically, I have a checklist for buying, um, and it's a single checklist for writing an offer. And then if the offer gets accepted, then there's a lot more of the checklist beneath it for uh, contract to close all the way through to closing and maybe a little bit after closing. And then I have a totally separate checklist for listing a property for sale. And then in addition to that, so there's really three, in addition to that, there is a separate checklist for receiving an offer on a property that we have for sale because you could have more than one of those. And instead of having one checklist for the listing and then trying to duplicate parts of it for each offer that comes in, I was like, look, we need three checklists. We need one for buying, which can be like the same one when you put an offer in a property to contract to close. They could be the same because it's always one-to-one -one there. But when we actually are thinking about um, selling a property, there's a checklist for getting ready to go on a listing appointment, doing the listing appointment, getting the listing live, doing all the stuff we need to do to market the property. Um, all the stuff related to that is in there. And then we have a totally separate checklist template that we could use for when we receive an offer on a property that we have listed because you could receive one 
negotiate it a little bit and find out that it's not going to work out. And then we need to start over with someone else coming in. Or sometimes you have three offers on a property all at the same time. And then you have, you know, at the process, those three different checklists. So there's really these three different checklists we've got. Today, I'm going to talk about the buying uh, process checklist. It's not buying a process. It is buying a property. So unless I check this now, it will never be checked. Buying a property. Wow, I can't spell this one. Buying property checklist. Okay, there we go. So I document the entire buying process. And for me, it was like, you just start where you start. You 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 could start on scraps of paper and you could say, okay, um, I, I'm going out with a client this afternoon. And you can do it before this too, but I'm going out with a client this afternoon. I have a feeling they're really going to like this property. If they are going to like this property, what are the steps I will need to do in order to get this offer written and to get an offer accepted. And so what do I need from them? Like what is involved in the process? Um, you know, how do I write the offer? What do I put in the contract? And like all those things, you just start writing down all the different things you know you need to do. And you do this with everything you do. You do this with showings. You do this with um, analyzing deals. You do this with, uh, you know, writing the contract. Uh, presenting the offer to the seller's agent or the seller, depending on who it is. Um, if you're going to go show a for sale by owner property, you have a different version for that. You know, you have all these different things. And if something new comes up, like, for example, you've never written a property on a, a HUD foreclosure before, and now you're about to go do that. Well, what's different about making an offer on a HUD foreclosure that you hadn't had to do before? And so now you have a separate checklist for, well, if this is a HUD property, then we need to do these extra things, or we need to do these things different. And so you can either do like, you know, if this is HUD, do this step, otherwise do this for everything else. Or you have a separate additional checklist for the HUD properties, depending on what makes sense in your checklist. Okay. So the idea is document the entire buying process. For us, we have a checklist for renting an offer, and then also have a checklist for contract close on the buy side. So got all that stuff. We use Basecamp. Um, that was the software package that I was using. It's a web-based package so that Tammy and I, um, and if we had other people working on stuff, which we did at different times, uh, they could be helping us do that. They could see the exact status of everything there, and we could all work together from a centralized platform. Everything got organized. Everything was in there. You don't have to use Basecamp. You can use whatever software management project management software that you want to use. Um, and Basecamp, there's nothing special about it. In fact, there were a lot of things that really annoyed me about Basecamp, but Tammy has, uh, I don't want to throw Tammy under the bus, but she has an aversion to having to relearn new software and when things change. She wants it to be consistent so that when she goes in there, she knows what she's expecting. She's learned the system. She knows what she's going to do there. So we probably kept Basecamp for a lot longer than we probably should have, but it worked. And it was really simple. It was really straightforward, really easy to operate. Um, it had its own little quirks and stuff like that. Nothing was perfect, but it was it was good enough. It worked great for the amount of transactions we were doing, um, you know, 35 to you know, some years a little over 40, but, you know, usually 35 to 40 transactions a year um, just between the two of us. So that was basically what it was. So there you go. Uh, we did not give clients access. So if you're wondering, hey, are you giving your clients to show them like what the, what's in the checklist and what you're doing, stuff like that? Nope, did not, <laughs> never showed it to them. Um, you know, they knew that I had a checklist because they knew that it was they were following it. And if they bought more than one property with us, which a lot of them did, uh, they'd see things repeated and they knew that it was templated because it looks very, very similar if you're getting the same email. And uh, especially if you're buying 
you know, more than one property at a time, uh, you know, you're under contract to buy three or four. And so, I mean, yes, there's a lot of process and templates and stuff like that, but no clients did not get access to it. In fact, I've had some clients that have since gone on to become real estate agents themselves. And I have a feeling they saved everything I sent them and tried to recreate the process uh, based on what they've seen from me. Um, so yeah, that's probably, that's true there. Uh, I mentioned before it is imperfect. So it's not like if you looked at mine, everything would be 100% perfect in place, correct, filled out, fleshed out, all that other stuff. But it is way, way, way better than what somebody just sort of winging it would do. I can assure you. I mean, there are things that I forgot were in the checklist and I wrote a lot of the checklist, not all of it. Uh, Tammy took it over at some point. And she wrote a lot of the newer stuff, but I was the originator of it and kind of developed a, a lot of the baseline stuff. So it's definitely imperfect. It was constantly changing and improving. Anytime we would go to a continuing education class or an issue came up with a particular deal, we're like, okay, so if this happens, this could get ugly for our clients. Uh, how do we prevent this from ever happening again so that we are not in a situation where this could even possibly happen to a client? Let's go do a, I used to call them postmortems. We'd go look at what happened to the deal after the deal was up, or even during the deal, sometimes we do like a, whatever the version of postmortem is, interim mortem. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so we'd go look at like, hey, what's doing here? Now, how can we fix this? And go to the, the original project template and address those things. Say, okay, look, we always need to ask about this, or we always need to suggest to the client that they do something, get a survey, like as an example. You know, something comes up on a survey and we're like, whoa, I didn't even realize that could be an issue. It has never happened to me before in, you know, hundreds of transactions. But now I know that this is a new thing and let's go ahead and address that upstream so that the client never runs into that perspective problem again. And so anytime we have a CE class and the attorney tells us something or someone in the room shares a story about something, we're like, oh, uh, I didn't even think about that. Let's add that to our process. And then we'd go implement you know, changes to our checklist to make sure that we cover those things um, and, and things during transactions from ourselves. So that's basically what it was. So now what I'm gonna do, um, I thought about how to do this. And I, the last time I tried to, in quotes, teach my checklist, I taught a fraction of it and I did a four-hour continuing education class to real estate agents in my local marketplace where I like showed them segments of my checklist and I walked them through the process and I gave them all these massive handouts of all this other stuff. Um, and so what I did is I pulled three slides of the like 200 or whatever it was slides that I had for that. I'm just going to share those with you just so you can get a feel of like what I'm talking about. So this is a view of Basecamp and it shows you one of the sub checklist we've got there. So this is for the class demo. Um, we set up a project and folders checklist. So we go ahead and rename the Basecamp project because we create a new project as we do it. Whoops. We rename the Basecamp project in this format. So everything is standardized. The name of the project is standardized, the address of the property and the buyer names up there. Um, if it doesn't already exist in Dropbox, create a buyer folder and label it as last name, comma, first name. So I've got like folders on Dropbox. I'm telling like us what to do. And really this is very methodical. You go through, you do this. I check it off as I go. So I check this off and it disappears. It goes down here and shows you the stuff that's done so that only the things that needed to be done are at the top and front and center. And so you basically go through and you say, okay, I renamed the checklist to be whatever it is done. Check that off. If it doesn't exist already, create a Dropbox folder for a buyer. Go in there, create the buyer name, 
um, on there. If, if it's a client we've had before, if they've written offers before, it's already going to exist. So I can go ahead and check that off. But if it didn't, then I go ahead and I create that. So that's done. Create a new folder in the Dropbox for the offer inside the buyer's client folder. Label it as, you know, 2023-05-24-1234 Main Street City and zip code so that we have the date we made the offer and the address of the property that they made offer inside that client's folder. Okay, done with that. Once these things are done, this checklist actually would disappear. So it wouldn't be there cluttering up everything. It would be done and we would know that it'd be there. So it gets out of your way. Then we'd have other things. So like this is an example of what it looks like at the top once we rename it. One, two, three, four Main Street with the buyer name. And then we'd always keep um, at the top of the checklist, the legal questions, legal assistance hotlines for the Colorado Association of Realtors and our, um, our, our Arizona Emissions Insurance so that we didn't have to go look for this if we had a question about something. We were very proactive about, hey, you've got a question about something? Let's just call the legal hotline and verify that we're thinking about this the right way or call our, our risk management hotline with our insurance company because if we make a mistake, they're the ones that are paying. So let's get them involved early and in preemptively, not wait till we've got a problem, but call them up and say, look, you know, this is the situation we're having. Do you see any potential problems with this? You know, what's the deal with this? And so we have all this up here. These didn't really get checked off. They were sort of just like reminders in there that we always have this available as a lifeline to do different things. All right, so side note, for the sake of time, we're skipping some of the sub-checklists I have for unusual situations like for sale by owners. Okay, they exist for me and you should make them as well. It's especially important for situations you don't see frequently, but you want to get a great job protecting your clients and keeping yourself out of trouble. So for example, I have, you know, if this is a for sale by owner, this is the for sale by owner checklist. Must be done prior to showing property. Delete checklist if not a for sale by owner. So we would delete the entire thing if this wasn't a FISBO. Otherwise, we would actually use this special checklist. Before the showing, create the brokerage disclosure to seller for sale by owner in uh, our, our MLS and save the buyer's folder as this brokerage disclosure to seller.pdf. And then check the box for customer and brokerage disclosure to seller for sale by owner. So we basically have this checklist for walking through what different steps are for the whole thing. And then I'm not going to go through all this, but this is an example of the checklist for getting the rep documents, representation documents. Um, this is like, you know, becoming a buyer's agent in this case. So create an IRS and save in Dropbox client folder. And then we have check to see if you already have one, create the definitions, create the exclusive right to buy. If buyers making an offer on a property, not in the MLS or with a commission less than 3%, check the appropriate boxes for that. And then we have spots here for comments. Comments are like the email template for that step or like conversation points if we're talking to the to the seller or buyer and buyer in this case, if we're doing stuff. So we have like how all this stuff is laid out. You can just see all these different checklists for what we've got there. And then as we go through, we just check them off and they disappear. So that's it. So I just wanted to share those three slides so that you can get a feel for it. Um, there were a lot of these checklists. Um, you know, because I'm feeling in a weird mood right now, one second. I'm going to uh, I'm going to get crazy, and I'm going to share with you just some of the checklists. I think I think I'm going to do this. Please hold, pulling it up. We're going live here. Okay, so this is a backup of the checklist because we're obviously not doing brokerage anymore. All right. So this is just um, an example of some of the different to-do lists that we've got here. Um, I don't know, right here, but basically you can start seeing things. And we have like a checklist here for what the icons are and what their meanings are. We have checklists for, I think I showed you the for sale by owner one. You can kind of see that, it's pretty quick. 
um, if they're getting a reverse mortgage, writing an offer. So here's all the stuff about writing an offer. And, you know, there's like some checklists about doing that part of it. Um, there's checklists about if there's a post closing occupancy, if the seller is planning on staying in the property after closing, there's a whole bunch of things we want to discuss with the buyer about that. Um, if it's a HUD property, if they're doing, a, if it's a flip, um, if we're more preparing to write the contract, additional provisions, checklists, if doing solar panels, additional contract forms, not an iris, send offer and DocuSign, presenting an offer, the offer was rejected. If we if we counted an offer, submitting a backup offer immediately after contract acceptance, you know, what do we do after a contract has been done? So we've got a whole bunch of stuff for that. Like you can see there's checklists for just about everything. And this is like a backup copy. So it's not in the format that it was in Basecamp, but you can get a feel for how that all that was. So that's all I got for you. Hopefully that was helpful being able to see, you know, why there was a checklist, how there was a checklist and what the checklist sort of looked like. So you can get a feel for it. You got to make your own. You know, I can't give you mine because my process is different than yours. My market's different than yours. My resources are different than yours. Like my, my software and what I named it and all that stuff. But you really should make your own checklist and improve that over time and use it. You know, it, it's, it's one thing to have, not have a checklist at all, but it's almost just as bad to have a checklist, but never use it. Um, so there was, I'll tell you this one side story. So I uh, went out and saw a property, really, really hot market. And um, one of our clients that bought a bunch of properties with us was wanting to write an offer on this property. And we felt rushed. They like wanted to get it done. They wanted to get it in right away. And I, uh, you know, came home. Um, well, I called Tammy and she's like, Hey, I'm going to start writing this offer up. And she started like winging it. Like she was not going to use the checklist because she was in a rush and she thought that it would be better to not use the checklist in a rush. I'm like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. What are you doing? Uh, the, the best time to use the checklist is when we're in a rush, because when we're in a rush is when we're likely to forget things and to not do things right. And to not do things correctly. It, it, it takes what it takes. You can't make things go faster than what they take to do. We need to do this correctly. We need to use the checklist. We can get good at the checklist so that we have speed when we're processing through it, but we do not not use the checklist even when we're in a hurry. So after that, she got it. It was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. This is when she was like first starting off, you know, doing stuff in the brokerage with me. Um, and so we, we talked about this, like, look, especially when you're in a rush, we have to use the checklist. Have to, have to, have to use it because- that's what protects us, what protects our clients. It makes it so that we are less likely to make mistakes if we are following the outline. And if you want to get faster, just do better with the checklist. Don't not use the checklist. It's because that's when you like say, oh, shoot, I missed something. Now this costs our client $50,000. That's bad. That's way worse than us being you know, late by you know five or 10 more minutes because we actually went and used the checklist correctly. Okay, so that's it. That's all I got for today. Um, I will be off for about the next week. So you will not see any classes for the next week. So um, I will be resuming. I've got some family coming to town for uh, my nephew's uh, high school graduation. So I will not be around. Uh, enjoy. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye for now.